All right. Here, I'll give it a second. All right. Welcome to Flesh and Blood's premiere podcast. I hope someday the pitch stack episode three. This is the first one we're doing in person. Uh, so, Matt, how are you today here in my office? Uh, awesome. This <laughs> office is amazing. If you can be here right now and see it, it's so good. This is a uh, this is like a audio engineer's dream musician's dream there's a lot of stuff going on i like it yeah this was it was once an audio engineer's dream and then over a number of years i slowly made it a reality oh yeah this is this is awesome man this is sweet and uh good audio quality too yeah i hope they can hear it on that end too so uh yeah i'm glad to have you here and you mentioned uh it being uh weird like you having to set up audio cables and stuff for the first time and like yeah since the pandemic long. started because I've, I've just been engineering remotely and i really i got really good at engineering remotely and explaining to people how to set up things but it's so much nicer just to be like here sit on my couch my room's covered in rock wool and your voice will sound amazing so and welcome to my couch and it does <laughs> all right on so i'm excited for this this is going to be a really interesting episode because there's a lot of speculation coming up uh, and I know there's this abandoned restriction announcement coming, but we're going to hold off on talking about that because yeah. now that we are officially flesh and blood content creators, I figure uh, we might as well shout out some of our favorite flesh and blood content creators. And uh, Matt, why don't you go ahead? Hmm. Uh, well, my favorite flesh and blood content creators definitely got to be the tall Timmy. So much fun to watch, honestly. Uh, team, welcome back. We're here in HQ where the magic happens. Uh, <laughs> man, that guy's a trip. Oh, uh, he yeah. put so many, he put so much, you know, effort into his videos. So, such a fun guy. Um, you know, he does uh streaming for certain games that he plays or uh, pro, um, yeah, competitions and stuff. Uh, he's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, the guy's great, and he does lots of giveaways, too. He really cares about the fans, and he's also going to be at Pro Tour New Jersey, if you did not know. Oh, they let him in. Yeah, they let the old bug guy in. Oh, phenomenal. Oh, yeah. James White will be there, too. Oh, weird. Maybe they'll play a match. Who knows? <laughs> they have a feature match. <laughs> There's just, like, James White sets up a booth in the corner where you have to beat him and you win a prize. Oh, man, that'd be sick. <laughs> he's playing games all day. He's exhausted. <laughs> Oh, what about you? Uh, so I have there's two creators that I I like quite a bit. And number one, I got to give a shout out to my fellow podcaster and the person who I think actually has the best second best flesh and blood podcast around. <laughs> you know, we're the first for in our hearts, <laughs> right? Yeah, in our hearts. Absolutely. And that's Mr. Matt DeMarco. Uh, and he hosts the instant speed podcast. And he has done such a good job of curating content and bringing in guests. Uh, I mean, he regularly has Dalen Mack, Tarek Patel, Tan and Grace, all as part of the show. And he does a really good job of like uh, capturing the competitive scene and the way the game works. And uh, it's just a phenomenal job he does over there. So please check out the instant speed after you're done listening to our show. And a hundred percent. I haven't listened to too many episodes, uh, but that podcast uh, definitely was very interesting to watch and listen to. I watched a few of them, the James White and the Dalen Mack one. Yeah. Yeah. Dalen Mack's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. Like, you would think you're only allowed to be good at so many things, but then that there's Dalen Mack. It's a just... <laughs> pool of talent. Just 
just seeping through his pores. Absolutely. And I wasn't even going to watch like this USFL season, but now I have like a team and I'm going to be rooting for Tampa Bay because <laughs> Absolutely. Of Dale and I'd do the same. Uh, and then my other favorite is a YouTuber known as Sloop Dupe, who is a Canadian that was formerly a Magic the Gathering YouTuber. And he actually did a very good job of documenting his progress of not necessarily falling out of love with Magic, but falling in love with flesh and blood. And it's interesting to watch his channel over a number of months slowly go from being a Magic the Gathering channel to a flesh and blood channel as he fell in love with the game. And he's just a very good content creator. His, uh, his videos are all about very unique topics, and he um, lately he's been doing a really good job of just answering the criticism that gets leveled at Flesh and Blood. So, Sloop Dupe, check him out on YouTube if you get a chance. Matt DeMarco, check him out the Instant Speed podcast. And of course, Matt's favorite, Mr. Tall Timmy. Make sure to give him uh, a watch, a listen, because he's got an amazing accent. And I feel like he just immediately won all the Americans over the second he opened his mouth. A hundred percent. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's honestly what it is. I mean, he's got a good personality too, but the accent man with combined together, he's the whole package, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I'm looking forward to hitting on a couple topics today. We got magic pro plays coming back skirmish season. We're in the middle of it and they're actually posting results and we have a BNR announcement coming up and we'll hit those things on the other side of the intro. You're listening to the Pitch Stack Podcast. Okay, and we're back from the intro. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, it's still growing on me. Um, and hopefully it's growing on you too, as is this podcast. So Matt, you and I both magic judges, we're going to keep bringing it up every single episode because oh, yeah. it's a great talking point, but, um, wizards of the coast, they decided to bring back magic pro play, which is very interesting because this was their big announcement last week. Magic pro play has been basically dead for the last five years essentially all their big tournaments were invite only and it was the same 16 32 players getting invites and um even players that had previously played on the pro, pro tour like even my best local players that have qualified for that before were unable to get into these tournaments because they were invite only they were kind of based around personalities but now they've rebuilt their entire feeder system they have this path to the Pro Tour very similar to what Flesh and Blood has because Flesh and Blood honestly was mimicking the original Magic Pro Tour system. And so Magic has decided to bring all of this back uh, in a weird time for Flesh and Blood where they're kind of in between sets and everything's yeah. relaxed for a Pro Tour. I don't know, Matt, what kind of what thoughts do you have and what kind of impact do you think this is going to have on the game? Man, um, it's crazy. I've, I'm just hearing tons of talk in the community about people who are talking about like, you know, hosting events or becoming a judge or, you know, talking to stores to start setting up, you know, events or people who are talking about, um, you know, the prices of certain cards and stuff. It's going to be exciting, honestly. Um, there is a lot of competition down here in South Florida. It's a huge bastion of just competitive uh, trading cards, you know, um, and I think that uh, we will see quite a few people from around here start uh, competing to try and uh, earn some of these invites and uh, qualifiers. 
Absolutely. But it's interesting they say they set up that four layer, you know, different levels of competition for the new pro play and the promos that they've announced. Yeah. And there's actually kind of a lack of judges in the magic community now. Um, so they're going to try and put us to work. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. And what what a great time for me to have become a judge right there at the end of last year. <laughs> uh, just to come into the new year swinging, you know, yeah. uh, it's only been a few months and now. We're hearing Magic Pro plays returning, and there's going to be ample opportunity for judges to, uh, you know, help out the community and uh, judge some events. Now, it's interesting because I have seen a lot of my friends that are very high-level, competitive, flesh-and-blood players uh, kind of express some concern that now, oh no, everybody's going to go and start playing Magic the Gathering. Uh, this, this was flesh and blood's moment to shine. And in a weird way, um, I also initially had those concerns, but I think that there is definitely room in this competitive area for both games. And I think what we're going to see is the people that were playing flesh and blood are going to continue to play flesh and blood, even if they were playing magic before. Um, I I think they might pick up magic again. And they might play both at the same time. The thing that and the lasting impact that I think this is going to have on flesh and blood is that we are now going to see less magic pros jump ship Um, unless they get frustrated with the prizing or the payout system. I just don't think we're going to see guys like Brad Nelson, Corey Baumeister, Reed Duke, like anybody of that level jump ship to flesh and blood when really... I really was hoping something like that would happen for flesh and blood. And I'm not saying that it's still not going to happen just that it is less likely to happen soon as it was. Right. Those guys are very uh, bound to the game of magic. And I think they're like the, they're just name uh, is very uh, connected to the game. Right. Mm -hmm. These are legendary players, casters, and like just personalities in the community. And these are the kind of people that will, you would uh, be excited to see when you're going to a pro tour for magic or GP, right. Or you'd be excited to potentially play against. Right. Absolutely. Some of my friends have actually had the experience of playing against, you know, several like top tier players like Brad Nelson, Reed Duke. Um, But yeah, I think that we'll see if we'll see because Wizards uh, doesn't have a good track record of not messing things up. So, <laughs> yeah, there, that's one way to a, say it. there is a possibility of something changing, you know, and I don't want I don't want to be like talking too much crap about Watsy, you know, because no, I, I love, love magic. I, yeah, I yeah. love the game. I love what they've done with it. And, you know, even even now, modern day magic isn't the worst thing. You know, I've got my complaints. Everyone does. You know, yeah, there's a lot of things you could hate about the game, but there's so much to love. Um, but in terms of flesh and blood versus magic, uh, the competitive scenes, I don't think that there's going to be drawing too much away from flesh and blood. There will be the people who decide, you know, oh, well, magic was essentially my entire, you know, shindig. And now that it's back, the comp- competitive scenes back, I'm hopping back. You know, I don't think there's going to be anybody hopping from magic over to flesh and blood unless they've already decided they were going to. You know, or, or within the next year, we see new set drop, new introduction, new heroes or cards or rules and stuff. And we might see more players hop into the competitive scene here. But I think Flesh and Blood is going to be staying for good. And I think, you know, we may have talked about this earlier. Flesh and Blood is definitely going to be one of those trading card games that we talk about along with the greats in the years to come. I don't think they'll ever surpass Magic the Gathering, but definitely going to be at the same top tier of uh, trading card games. Once uh, once they get their uh, foot off the ground, which I mean, in my opinion, they already have. So, yeah, 
in a weird way, it's um, it's just a uh, flesh and blood's gameplay is so unique that it is it's a similar. And I I was actually talking with John Owens about this that magic and flesh and blood have some skill sets in common, but there are actually very different. Like it takes different things to be good at the game. Like I think magic's more about figuring out what your opponent has in hand. Hundred percent agree versus flesh and blood's kind of like more about purely making the best line of play while being wary of traps that will come up eventually throughout the game just because mm-hmm. magic the, a card in hand is so much more valuable in magic and being able to guess what that is is so much more valuable in magic yes where flesh and blood is more about consistently making the right decisions at, than it is like about playing around things and trying to figure things out based on patterns it's interesting yeah you make an incredibly good point i do agree with that and i never really thought about it until right now the play the play of flesh and blood um definitely speaks to the level of like intricacy that the game has and definitely different types of decks you know uh most of the time you're playing your strategy you're not really playing around the tricks you're making optimal plays uh but at the same time being wary like you said of certain like uh being no being knowledgeable of the meta right is very important flesh and blood if you like one thing i'm doing now is i'm gonna start piloting ultim uh just so i and i tried piloting starvo as well but i'm a i'm a visfry player right but i need to understand right i need to be in my opponent's head space so i can understand that deck when i'm playing against it you know it's very it's a it's a good idea to understand how some of your bad how some of your worst matchups play, right? So you can play against them better, right? Or just in general, just understanding how to pilot a deck gets you in their shoes when you're playing against them. So you know kind of what you could expect from them in their lines. Uh, in Magic the Gathering, it's like you said, you want so much you want so much information, right, from their hands and what they're playing, what they could be playing. That's why a lot of people scoop on a Thoughtseize, right? If they've if they've mulliganed really hard, five cards in hand, Thoughtseize, combo piece in hand for scooping sideboard, right? Yeah. Information is so key in magic. And that's why the, that card in particular and a bunch of other cards similar to it, uh, you know, drive the game. And, you know, they're parts, they're key integral parts of the game. So yeah, I hundred percent agree with the point you made just now. Yeah. It's just they're different skill sets. And I think because of that, they can coexist. Like obviously, we're not going to attract as many magic players, but yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. And I don't I don't know. It's definitely when I saw that Wizards was bringing all this back, because if I'm being honest, like. When I first started playing Magic, like 2011, 2012, like Watsy and Hasbro, they were really into selling the dream of like winning your FNMs, of going and winning a Grand Prix, of making the Pro Tour or at least like topping like a regional PTQ or something like they and they, there was so much content creation based around getting better and better at the game that has just it's all disappeared because they weren't um, they weren't, you know, they, they weren't fostering or nurturing it the way flesh and blood is. And so I don't think this is bad news for flesh and blood. Obviously, like I'm a little nervous about it because I love flesh and blood. But at the end of the day, I know the gameplay for flesh and blood attracts me more than magic does. And I hope to see them both coexist because um. I really like playing trading card games, uh, mm-hmm. so it'd be awesome to have two of them succeed at this level. And I love the communities. I mean, that's a big uh, attraction for me for the trading card games, you know? Absolutely. But uh, yeah, dude, uh, speaking of like, you know, skirmish season and stuff, when are we getting those Briar Arata tokens? Yeah, right. They keep talking about it. 
what is going on at cardamundi <laughs> um get those printers running yeah right how, how do we how do we just... not how do we not have the cold foil young briar for the skirmish season you know it's kind of uh crazy so i'm thinking that the next flesh and blood set um the one that's coming out simultaneously with the pro tour on top of this new dual decks product i think that they are planning this to be the set that was like it kind of is almost like a 2.0 of monarch because i think monarch was a huge turning point for flesh and blood where suddenly there were these blitz decks there were it was easy to kind of like see what cards do based on color as opposed to class the way it worked before and i think they attracted a ton of magic players with monarch um so I think what they are doing is they are ramping up a massive print run of this next set. And it's hard for them to be like, can you pause for five minutes and print like a thousand Briar tokens? I think that's a good point. I think that's definitely something I hadn't considered. That is, yeah, it's almost certainly the case. Yeah, right. I mean, it's, it's I guess it is. I didn't ask myself that question, but I guess it is kind of difficult to try to stop everything and print a bunch of Briar tokens. So, I mean, they might just we like really it might be really weird it might just be like hey we're gonna throw a bunch of briar tokens in the set that has no briar at all <laughs> it's so weird yeah, right yeah i don't understand you know you know what i think they might do though is uh my theory working theory is that they have a huge stack of briar tokens they're gonna hand them out at the pro tour they're just gonna throw them up in the air like confetti yeah exactly it's gonna <laughs> drop the drop the net in the ceiling and like just everybody Surprise. everybody gets briar tokens everybody takes one arcane <laughs> don't let them touch the bards <laughs> everyone takes one arcane everybody damage. takes one arcane you go to how many uh, briars touch you yeah <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> that's really great it's like a uh, chaos orb except real life exactly <laughs> the uh <laughs> so yeah it's weird that they haven't done that and so i hope it's because of printing we'll see what's going on over there and we'll see i i can only imagine that james white gets asked that question every other day and he probably has one on his desk. Um, but, you know, you mentioned skirmish season. You mentioned young heroes. And you know what we have right now? Uh, there's there's a skirmish going on that uh, in Miami that I didn't go to today because I got stomped at an armory. And it really, it really put a damper on my dreams. The uh, But, you know, what we do have is uh, we have skirmish season results are being posted on the official Flesh and Blood website. And... I gotta be honest with you, these are, uh, these are shocking. Um, I don't know if you saw this, Matt, but somebody crushed an entire skirmish with Icelander. You know, I saw a video posted on a group page. I can't remember. It must have been the fan page. I saw a video posted of a, a guy explaining the deck tech for an Icelander, and I didn't know if he had won a skirmish with it or he got, like, top in a skirmish. But, oh, man, a fire breathing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh... <laughs> I'm sorry, we're looking at the deck list as we're talking. Yeah, I was so shocked, I pulled out of the window. And that kind of made me stumble there for a second, but <laughs> no, that kind of it just makes sense. Two I mean, fire breathings, two E-strikes. Like, are we is... playing Icelander wrong? I mean, <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> I feel like uh, we get so hung up on that uh, ability of Icelander to be super control and play out of the arsenal. Like, we forget that we can also just play attacks. There's so many blues in the deck, though. I can't imagine Fire Breathing being a bad card at all. Yeah, 25 blues in this 40-card deck. There's only one yellow, uh, which is the Tome of Fyandal. Can and you then... get the action points? Is there something that... Uh, or is it just, like, uh, pay one, like, gain five? Is oh. there, like, a way to gain the action points, potentially? Let's see. I mean, I see energy potions. Uh, are we running? That's interesting. I mean, huh. I don't think, aside from 
Gosh, this equipment, <laughs> the equipment setup's real weird too. We're running Heart of Ice, Gambler's Gloves, which I guess makes sense yeah, if you're you running don't a Kyo. Die to KO. Yeah. Um, obviously, a Storm Striders, obviously, you have to have Spring Tunic, Metacarpus Note. So, like, a lot of it makes sense, but how, how are they getting the action points? They're running Exude Confidence. What is this, this deck? This makes sense, though. The blues, yeah. all the blues. Yeah. Um, Whoa. Yeah, scour the battlescape. That is spicy. So Easton Douglas. Um, this guy. Where, let's see, where was the, it was in the US. Wherever Advantage Games is, took down a skirmish with Icelander with a real spicy list. And you know, I'm looking over all of these lists here. Um, I'm seeing Ira. I'm seeing Dory. I'm seeing Kasai, Viserai, Bravo, who kicked the shit out of me today. Lots of Viserai's and Kasai. Somebody's oddly missing considering the reward for these tournaments yeah and that's that's young benji oh man old benji young lad benji uh i the sad part about benji is like you've got to have somehow i don't know how you do it but you've got to have like two red razor reflexes and two resources up yeah and if you got to be playing against a deck without the fridge because like everybody who's already knows what's going on you know, everybody gets it. Yeah, if you attack with the thing, we block it. You get plus three, plus two or something, right? It, it's kind of lost its... Uh, I, th I personally think that it's still good. It just kind of lost its, like, uh, surprise factor, you know? Yeah. There's, there's still to so many more skirmish results to wait on. But uh, I think, you know, we'll probably see a few Benji wins as time goes on. Uh, but I think just right now it's tough for him to get through Viserai, uh, Ultim and, uh, and, uh, Kasai blocks. They block so good. Yeah. Like you just, I mean, you're just not blocking anything. And then when springtime finally comes, you throw all of your equipment in front of it and you're blocking for seven and they're like, well, yeah, sure yeah. pass. You know, I mean, how much, I don't know. It's, it's tough. They've got to have double red essentially. That's it. Yeah. And I think you just, I mean, people have played enough around Benji where they know not to get baited without, you know, with the uh, with the initial whatever it is the needle attacks. Yeah, they know to save their equipment for later. Um, but here's what's interesting is uh, is Mr. Hayden Dale, who is a name that you may be familiar with, as I believe Hayden Dale is, in fact, the uh, the Sydney's the calling champion and a uh, channel fireball content creator. Also he, a host of uh, Arsenal Pass. That is correct. Also podcast. a host of Arsenal pa Pass, which is another podcast that there's just so much time. I would just stick to the first two. But if you do need a third one, uh, no, I'm kidding. Arsenal Pass, phenomenal podcast. You should check out Mr. Hayden Dale. He uh, he won a skirmish here with Reinar of all heroes. I think Reinar is great. He, I think so, too. KO without the. Well, that well, first he's KO without the dice rolling and like losing half of your power or high rolling somebody and just like knocking them out on turn two or one. But uh, he also just strips hands like, yeah, it's tough. Like blocking out uh, Reinar with like a really good, strong start is like insane. And this is like a Reinar that's running a lot of no blocks, right? That's like the the deck list currently uh, favored right now is the no block deck, you know, running wild rides, pulpings, uh, yeah, Massacre is yeah. an insane card because it lets you intimidate no matter Air what fangs. you do with it. Exactly. So it's a uh, it's very hard to fight against if you don't have like the right uh, if they if they just draw really good and you don't have the right blocks. It's they may not even give you a chance to block correctly because it's taking all the all the cards out of your hand. 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think Reiner is definitely a good choice into the season. Something that people weren't really expecting. Everyone was looking at Viserai, Ultim, and Kasai. And nobody's really looking too much at Reiner, even though I think he's going to be definitely a contender for top tier. Yeah. And I, so I'm a Kasai player, and I feel like Reinar is my worst matchup just because I'm relying so much on micro blocks mm-hmm. that I uh, like one or two intimidate triggers, and I'm just absolutely screwed. Uh, so I don't, yeah, that's interesting. And actually, you know, you don't see any Kayo here. I know everyone's trying to make Kayo work, but just the variance is too high. And really, card games are about one thing, and that's lowering your variance as much as possible. So it's pretty interesting. Um, you know, I, and, the other thing that surprises me is of all the heroes that are on the list with wins, uh, the two heroes that have taken home the most are Kano and Viserai in a format that basically lets you run Nolrune gear for free. Um, it's really interesting. Kano, really? Yeah, Kano has two wins. Uh, he took down Poland, and uh, Kano also took down the Australian Gaming Nexus is the name of the... Uh, Name of the skirmish yeah. where it won. So that's pretty interesting. And then you see Viserai apparently took down one in Great Britain as mm-hmm. well as one in Germany. Yeah, it's crazy. I I, I think, you know, uh, I don't know. It's it's odd. I think it just depends on how who you're playing against, really, because I think some decks have really good matchups against decks like Viserai. Uh, but Kano is if Kano can live and get a little chip damage in, maybe set up a posh, potion even or get a tunic counter, if you let him do that, it's a really good Kano player can really pilot that deck to victory, and I can imagine that happening. You know, it takes a certain kind of man or woman to pilot those decks to victory, man, because Kano's tough. Kano is so super tough. Yeah, you gotta be familiar with so many play patterns and just understand when your opponent's going for it versus thinking when you're gonna go for it. So it's pretty interesting. Um, So... You know, it, somebody even did this with Lexi, and then Ira apparently got some more hero points. So I, I'm really glad to see that the that the non-aggro decks are showing up this skirmish season. Uh, in between Bravo, you know, Icelander, obviously, even though it's kind of like a pseudo aggro control, I really still haven't figured out what this list does. I'll have to sit down and read it. Uh, Dory's back, so this actually looks like a very healthy Blitz meta to me, mm-hmm. um, which is quite exciting. Now, I will say. Speaking of healthy metas, um, there's a banned and restricted announcement here in three days. Yeah, I'm I'm a, I'm a little scared. Yeah, <laughs> I have reason to be slightly concerned. Um, I I definitely made Viserai, so he's definitely on the watch list right now. He's definitely uh, committing some terrible acts out here in these uh, armories and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and blitz tournaments so uh yeah and even uh starvo someone uh you know I, I don't i think my personal opinion though is that starvo's not going to get hit he is at if we can even get like a more updated count he's at a very high living legend point status right now uh near 900 i believe if i'm not mistaken and uh he's just gonna kind of ban himself yeah I think um, that is going to happen eventually. Now, the only reason that I think they might errata Starvo uh, or one of the cards in his deck is I think they want the first Pro Tour uh, to be less predictable. Um, you know, I 
That's, you know, Starvo's the easiest deck to pilot. I mean, it still takes some skill. Obviously, there's a reason top players are still at the top every time. But I think they might want to, for the first Pro Tour, all eyes on this card game, seeing how they do and how they succeed. Do they want to just have a Starvo Mirror or Starvo versus Prism or Starvo versus Viscerai to be the championship? You know what I mean? Do they want to throw in some sort of monkey wrench by kind of knocking those three tier one decks down a little to diversify the meta? Yeah, I don't know. Um, did you, if you watch the, I don't know, if you watch the a podcast where, uh, where Flake on uh, Instant Speed talks to uh, Oh, when he talks Patel. to Tarek? Yeah. So, I don't know. You know, I didn't watch the whole thing, but from what I heard, uh, he was making some guesses as to what they may or may not ban. Um, but I feel like it would might be in Ellis's interest to, like, to reach out to pro players. Like, I think that's something that has actually happened in the past with Magic. Yeah. Where player people have gotten uh, the like the com community leaders and like deck construction and like, you know, uh creating new strategies have been getting a heads up on some things like that. I, I don't know if I'm mistaken, if I'm misremembering something, but I feel like maybe he has some sort of insight, right? Uh, he is a very high level player. So I mean, yeah. any, adv any advice he says or any, you know, uh, opinions of his will be very high valued. But I think I remember them saying that him saying that, uh, crown of seas might get hit. Uh, potentially Bloodshy Skeleta, and those uh, words concern me, <laughs> particularly the Bloodshy Skeleta one. But uh, I, I even Crown of Seas, though, I feel like that's so integral to Ultim's strategy that if it was hit, like, it would be so tough for, uh, it would literally be so tough for Ultim to operate without Crown of Seas. Yeah. Yeah, and I that's the weird thing is like Crown of Seeds is so inter or so integral to Oldham that I think it would just completely take everything apart that Oldham has built as like a tier two deck, and then suddenly you're just wrecking Guardian. So on top of like I yeah, that's you were hundred percent correct that Tarek was saying they should just early retire Starvo, ban Skeleta and Crown of Seeds. Um that way, like uh, that way, there's a couple hits to several things, but I don't know. I think that makes Prism a little bit too strong. I think Prism is definitely too strong. Uh, I mean, I would even go so far as to potentially say that, like, those blue uh, auras are like incredibly powerful and kind of just like to ruin the deck. Like, it just made it like into this abomination. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, you know, I know she's I knew she's your your precious deck, but yeah. She she's really strong. I mean, and I understand. I can acknowledge for sure. Like Viscera is like insane. And if they ban Skeleton, like I would be devastated. But like I think I might understand. Um, my just my issue with it is from like a, it's frustrating, right? So like these things can be clearly seen as like powerful cards, right? And when they go ahead and like go, oh, here's we made a mistake, right? How many times do is this like gonna happen, right? Like, how, do we have the foresight enough to like design cards more? like design bet make better designs right because i feel like uh sonotic arcanics came on the like crucible of war came on the heels of monarch right so crucible of war came out skeleton came out right 
And that was a clear indicator like, oh, wow, this car could be very explosive. We can start cracking this equipment and reducing our costs. And then they blatantly put Sonata on the next set and be like, hey, look, there's an X <laughs> cost. And then you even have uh, developers uh, of the game posting deck lists of Sonata OTK. So this is definitely clearly part of the design of these cards. So I don't know. It's not surprising at all that Visra is capable of developing a board of rune chance and then just popping off of the Sonata. Meet and greet was also printed with go again in the previous sets, rune flash. So I don't, I don't really know. I don't see like how you don't see this being a strong deck in the future. And with everything else that they printed going forward with swarming and revel, like unless I don't know, unless they're just they they either know what they either are not going to ban these cards at all any of them or they have terrible terrible play testing like quality control like for their cards like they're not testing these things at all yeah like that's my opinion it's one of these two things are going to happen they're going to reveal that they intended for these cards to work this way and they're not getting banned or two they're going to reveal that they are not testing these things enough yeah, which will actually make me lose confidence a little bit, in my opinion. Just I'll still play the game, but I'm definitely going to be a little, you know, less confident in their ability, you know, to play test these cards properly. Starvo, I think, was intentional. I think they intended for him to get banned before Pro Tour. Yeah, I by, mean, it's like we were talking Legend last status. episode. If he hits Living Legend, he doesn't hurt like all of his cards are still legal to play in other decks. And I do feel that the Prism Wars might have been a reasonable oversight. It may not be very clear how strong that can be, uh, you know, prior to releasing, you know, if mm-hmm. they're internal play testing. But I don't know, maybe it was just a combination of all of the meta, you know, acting together, right? The entire meta acting together to create this impressive like trio of decks that are kind of just all playing to beat each other and in turn, like making all the other decks so much harder to compete right yeah harder for them to be viable so i think moving forward what would happen in the meta is that once starville gets banned it frees up a lot of these decks is a lot of the space in these decks to uh deal with more of the stronger issues that prism presents or viscera presents right and we don't have to worry so much about sideboarding unmovables and sink belows and potentially even more defense reactions in all of our decks so we don't get oaken old for 11 yeah right so once that's off the field we people can sleep softly at night essentially <laughs> once star starvo's gone you know yeah so i actually i have seen three uh so i was watching a dozer video this morning mr david andrews he makes really good prism content so he would be ticked if prism got you know an errata or a ban um but i was watching his video this morning he he said that he had what he thought would be the way to kind of even the field so that more heroes could show up instead of the rock, paper, scissors meta. Um, so the first thing he said was that with Starvo, there's two ways to fix Starvo. And I completely agree with this, that these are the two best ways to fix Starvo. I don't think you want to ban crown of seeds because it can be used by three different heroes and you end up having three heroes take a hit. So I think the two ways you fix Starvo is one, you errata his Captain Planet ability to say not the next attack gets plus two dominate and go again, but the next Guardian attack gets plus two dominate and go again. Um, that kind of makes it so that it's a little bit more strict. So you're not like just evergreening into a hammer because, you know, you, you know, it makes it so it's a little bit harder to have his ability affect a card in your hand. Yeah. 
Uh, and then the other thing I heard them say was they were going to possibly make Oaken Old a old team, uh, old him, old time. There's a thousand different ways to pronounce it. Somebody tell me the correct way. I, uh, I, but they were going to make it an old him specialization, which would make sense. His picture's on the card. Yeah, it's a little ridiculous, but I understand. I mean, it's not, um, pictures on the card. Sometimes it's tough to really call it like only a specialization because Seek and Destroy is not a, azalea specialization it's clearly azalea in the yeah. photo um you know or even runic reclamation that's this right right i think actually that's a more recent change since uh aria right i don't think anything uh before that had that pattern in my unless i'm mistaken uh, you know no yeah you're um, right i have to examine the art but uh i think this is a new pattern where they're including heroes in arts of cards that aren't necessarily theirs but um, like not necessarily specializations is what I mean. Yeah, no, you're uh, you're correct. I mean, there were certain there were certain cards that like would have them in the background and stuff. I'm trying to think like off the top mm -hmm. of my head. My, uh, my, I know prisms in like just a regular light card. Yeah. Uh, no, I was gonna say comment on your. Uh, I was gonna comment on Dozer's uh, speculation for Starvo Arata. I have my own, and that's potentially a a two cost. If you pay two resource, you get this effect. Oh, that's interesting. So now Starvo gets to choose if he wants to be, well, not choose, but now Starvo has to crown aggressively and can't be as defensive. So now, well, what it, it asks you to play more that way, right? If you understand what I'm trying to get at, because you'll have one resource open and that'll be enough for crown. Yeah. If you look at a lot of the costs on guardian cards, they're all based on you either crowning or you either plating. Because you have two resources open, right? You always have two costs for Biting Gale, two costs for Awakening, two costs for uh staunch response to cost for a number of things right so yeah. it's all based on you having two resources open after pitching a three that makes sense right a lot of the cards are balanced that way so i think paying two to get the effect is very good like you reveal two and if you do you may pay you I'll say it says it should it should read this way at the beginning of your at the start of your turn you may reveal an earth ice and lightning card from your hand if you do you may pay two if you do, I don't know, so worded in some fashion that way, right? If you do pay two, then your next uh, attack action costs three or greater, gets plus two, go again, dominate. Yeah. So you reveal, then pitch. Yeah. I think pitch reveals too hard to make work because then you get rid of a card, right? And then it doesn't work if you don't have the right uh, cards in hand for it. Yeah, I agree. I think... Um... It's interesting because like I feel like if they were had to do reveal pitch, they'd have to add like a new rule. I think they may just put it in one sentence. You may yeah. reveal and pitch uh a ice. You may reveal and pitch to an ice, lightning, and earth card if you do I don't know. It's you know, right. yeah, they would have to reword it a little differently. What if they worded it so that in order to get it at the start of your turn? You may pitch an earth, ice, and lightning card, and then you get it. So you have to get the cards out of your hand, but you still get the resources for your next attack. But it makes it so you can't hold on to like two pulses for multiple turns. That might be too heavy of a nerf, but it is interesting. That would be pretty interesting. What if, um, or, uh, that's tough. I was thinking more, what if they had an app? I wonder if I could go back in time and redesign Starvo, right? I would have uh, an activated ability on Starvo that costs three and you could pay three resource. And he says, uh, 
an action, your next guardian attack gets plus two if you pitched a earth card to this effect, go again if you pitched a lightning card to this effect, and dominate if you pitched an ice card to this effect. Like a twist on Oldham. Correct. Yeah. And then you have your extra resources open, and then you can play three or whatever you've got, and then... Actually, oh. I actually really love that. That actually makes the most sense so you would of any actually argument have, I've heard. If you, if you pitch all of those, you would have exactly six resources. Yeah. If you pitch all blues, right? Mind you, it had to be all blues. You would activate the ability with all blue of the cards, right? And then you would have six resources open, and you can play the effect, right? So you would have to have four cards in hand with an attack or an arsenal card, and then uh, or five cards if you crown the turn before, or that turn you can go crown draw a new card, and then fix for the pitch, for the ability. Yeah. That's not bad. I like that design. It, may, it may limit him a little bit um, for, like, how wide he can go. But if you draw, like, perfect hands, you could be just as good as it was before. Yeah. Well, so, the other... the So, the... Uh, and I, I actually kind of wish they would did that, because it's a twist on the old ability, which makes a lot more sense instead yeah. of the reveal, instead of I just like crowning that. to filter your hand. But... So the other point Dozer made, though, that I thought was very interesting was that if you are going to do something to Bravo, the way the meta is right now, it's a three and a half deck meta with Briar and Chain comprising of half a deck. So really, the, the other two Runeblade decks are just behind Viserai. I think they're like tier two at the very top. I think. I think swarming Gloomvale is the shared trait between all the decks. That's a problem. And that card is really, really, really good. It's extremely pushed. And I, I love it. I love it to death, but I think it's very good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't argue that it's really good. Um, yeah, it's tough, man. I, I love these tools that they've given us, but I have to admit when the card's strong, it's strong. Uh, Revel is not as good as people think it is, it's when you when it works it really works it's incredible but the problem is in dead hands locked in an arsenal where you could just draw attack cards the card is awful so awful so it sometimes can be like a, a game ender like it ends games right people you know you live and die by that card like it just but sometimes you can really it can mess you up sometimes you know yeah uh i don't know it's I, I feel like out of the two, if I had to pick one that was too strong, I feel like Swarming is the shared trait between all three decks that uh, that's kind of stitching them together right now. I agree. I think, I mean, I think that Briar becomes a little bit better if they get rid of Swarming. Maybe Chain becomes a little bit better, too. I think Vis is still good. Yeah, I think Vis is still great. I just think you have more outs to Vis. I think Vis had a lot of tricks uh, with Swarming, and it made it hard to actually deal with him if he was just able to hit you with the Swarming or give it all the effects at instant speed and then be like, okay, revel. And then you just take 10 arcane for nothing. Yeah. 10 arcane for one resource. It's kind of insane. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. A revel, revel's problematic in, co in conjunction with swarmings on hit. Yeah. And it kind of forces you to spend two cards or a card in equipment if it already has all the abilities. So the Viscerai player is always well, playing around you, blocking it anyways. Now... So uh, you're a Vis main. Obviously, you can see that Swarming Gloomvale is the most oppressive card in the deck. Like, it's just it's the best, most utilitarian. It's the card that you're going to have do the most damage for the least re resources time after time in the deck. 
Now, I'm a Prism main, and you do have to, if you're going to bop this, if you're going to bop Sarvo, you do have to bop Prism as well. What do you think they should do to Prism? So, I don't know if this is enough, but where I would start is with Haze Bending. I feel like of the new blue auras, Haze Bending is the most oppressive, without a doubt. Especially if you get two of them out. Removing Phantasm is rough. Or uh, am I not thinking of Haze Bending? I, 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 might, I might be mistaken. You are the Prism player, so you... Oh, yeah, wait, no, yeah. It's you the, will um, be familiar, I believe, more it's than the, Oh, gosh, they just it, they all have art by Saad Irfan, so, and I think in pictures. So I believe Haze Bending removes Phantasm, and I believe Pierce Reality gives it plus, plus two. two. And I believe uh, Mirage, okay. passing Mirage, uh, makes the Spectral Shields. All right, okay, so Haze Bending, is the, Haze Bending is the one I was thinking of. It is the one that makes the Spectral Shields. Passing Mirage is the one that gets rid of okay, Phantasm. Haze Bending definitely is the strongest. Yeah, because Haze Bending... If you get two of those out, it's game over. Yeah, that's tough. They, you, that's they bad. can't recover from that unless they're going straight to your face. Like a mm. like you you have got a very bad Briar matchup in the Prism deck. And I feel like that like it doesn't get around Briar, but anytime like, okay, I'll get rid of your Genesis that's giving you this, and then you're like, okay, well, I'll just make two spectral shields <laughs> that are coming at you for, you know, one or two with Ode to Wrath, Merciless. And I think Maybe yeah. haze bending is the card you hit with prism. Maybe you don't hit prism at all and you just let prism retire itself. No, I don't <laughs> think that's a solution. I, I, I don't think that's ever what they should uh, strive I for. I agree. And I don't think that's what they want to do either. Living legend was never intended to be the way to ban heroes. It was a way to, uh, you know, it was a way it was soft rotation. It's correct. a way to yeah. create a legacy format, a rotating format. Correct. And I think, um, that, will be a way to segue into like the uh future formats of the game right uh where we don't count living legend like okay so uh, think of a world right uh we're not like we're not moving off of the topic of you know banning uh the what our ban list and restricted guesses are right our picks but uh i think a few years down the line we'll have a few heroes in living legend more than a few potentially and we'll we'll we can just call it legacy for the for the sake of simplicity. Yeah. Right. But we could have legacy constructed CC and legacy blitz. They may choose a different like name. Legendary or constructed. Right. Yeah. Something ridiculous. That might be cool. Legend <laughs> legendary constructed legendary blitz were heroes that have been retired through the living legend uh, rule can be played in this format. Right. And in the future, they may be like, OK, well, in this format, these cards are legal. This format, these cards are these card these cards are not legal in regular standard, quote unquote. Right. We're just using the word for comparison and understanding. Yeah. Uh, but and but in legacy, these cards are legal, right? E-Strike, maybe yeah. CNC or something. Right. Like, I think that may be a future uh, for the game and the potentially when we start seeing more heroes enter living legend so but yeah i think that uh i think that prism has some really strong cards and if these other two heroes get hit then she's gonna be like top tier she's really Absolutely. strong right now I, they've got it they've got to get you know i there's no way they don't at least take haze bending if they're gonna bop the other two it's so tough though like to think about this because because yeah prism is more of a prism is more of a mindset than it is any particular card it's just the whole deck works so well you know but it's also like I got. I I just think in my head, like as a game designer, right? Putting something out like cold foil auras, and then intending to ban <laughs> banning them. That's tough, right? Like yeah, I, I don't know how you go 2. through 0. with that. But like, 
I don't know. It's so weird. Like we're in a new space, like a new like zone, right? I'm not like I'm thinking through it like with magic, right? Could you imagine if uh they put out a uh you know uh like a, a two a one one red <laughs> <laughs> Yeah <laughs> with so, dash. Like, so well <laughs> I think you know, imagine printing a promo, right? Uh for a card, you know, just I don't know, some sort of promo, but immediately being like in a week or something. Okay, yeah, like Hitsugo is banned. It's like neon ink. You can't play it. I mean, obviously, it's not that powerful card, but I see well, what you're that saying. more like a collector thing. But yeah, exactly. So yeah, you like, just immediately ban a chase card while it's still being chased. Yeah, immediately, like really close. Uh, I don't know if that's a great comparison, but um, but like these these things that they're giving out to stores for promos and stuff like, OK, so like stores are getting promo cards for entering events and stuff, uh, you know, FNM promos and stuff. Imagine getting a card, one of those cards banned. But it, you're still getting it as a promo for entering a draft every Friday night. Like, what yeah. am I going to do with this? I can't even play this on standard. It'd be like, um, <laughs> it's it, not playable in Commander, you know? It'd be like when they brought those store championships back. It'd be like if they banned, like, Worm Coil Engine or Arbor Elf. And they were like, here's like Worm week. Coil Engine, oh, Yeah, they're guys. like, here, it's got cool, it's got a cool stamp on it. I, I, yeah, th- that may not be the greatest example because Worm Coil Engine is just kind of like a uh, a card that permeates a lot of formats. But yeah, yes, I agree. It's like, it'd be like that, you know, like we're banning the standard card. Here's a promo of the standard card. Yeah, I think that that may be an indicator that that's not the direction that they're going to go, but I could be wrong. Yeah, uh, they they may just be like that. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to say. and. I think what's really interesting is LSS is at this point where the game's design space, almost every new set is going to explore new design space. Like the last two sets, they've been exploring the talent design space. Um, With Everfest, they kind of just, they decided to take ideas they already had and push them in weird directions to see what they looked like. And I think we're running into this issue where Whenever they explore new design space, at least until they get a better knack for it, and they will eventually, there are going to be missteps. I agree. I think definitely uh, Everfest had a few missteps. I yeah. think that might have been. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think that might have been what the call is here. Uh, clearly, with uh, Ever- with uh, the auras and uh, some of the vis cards we got, um, I think Spellbound Creepers is a key-, a key part for that deck. I don't think it'll ever be hit. It's also a card that. It's uh, very skill intensive. So, uh, yeah, it's going to take a good player to make sure you can keep that thing up. Yeah. Uh, or know when to uh, when to uh, sacrifice it, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I think uh, we have thoroughly covered like this, this nauseating format that is CC right now. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, so, I'm so ready for something to change. It's like there's, there's no announcements. Bl- Blitz was very refreshing. <laughs> Blitz was a very, ref- oh man, VNR, no announcements. <laughs> VNR, no announcements. <laughs> I'd be like a, a little relieved, but also concerned. Um, like, can we yeah. fit a guffaw into 45 minutes next week? If that happens, just <laughs> what? Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we just talk about Blitz again. Yeah, right. Actually, by next week, we should have a, uh, should have some fun uh, conversation to have because I think we believe we're going to be playing a yeah. skirmish next season. Yeah, on the ninth, we Good are sir. scheduled. We yeah. are in. At the very least, Micah's side deck is going to get blinged out with that cold foil oh, copper yeah. token. You'll you'll probably be able to immediately use it. Uh, speaking of your Kasai deck, um, we played a little blitz today, didn't we? We did, and I I our game was pretty even. I think it was neck and neck. Um, and then I barely got there with an attack react at the end. Oh, absolutely. I kind of didn't want to play around it, but I was like, <laughs> uh, 
I don't, I don't want to block this thing. Yeah. I kind of want to have my turn. And then I was like, yeah, 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 you have it. You have it. And you did. But, uh, you know, it was still a good game. Uh, I was very surprised by the very early pitch of, uh, blood on her hands. Yeah. Turn one pitch. I just, I decided that the way I was going to beat you because I need in order to play against this, I think you need to be able to account for everything as much for po- as possible. And to be able to do things at instant speed, uh, like you just need to get rid of creepers as soon as possible. Yeah. So I was okay taking a turn off to dump my hand just it, to get rid of creepers. It removes, uh, in, it, it removes any, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, any variables. Yeah. Any variants or variables or like surprise attacks. Yeah. So like if I don't have go again, you know, I don't have go again unless I have rattle bones. Yeah. Which is a which great you card. did later for the third time you swarming gloom failed me in yeah, like was, just as many turns. That was when I decided that card should be banned. It was a couple hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. this card hit me real hard. I'm banning it. <laughs> well, like, so I, so we played a match today. My other two matches, my first one was against Kano. And I have only, in like probably the 50 times I've played against Kano with Cass, I have only lost once, and that was in the first round of today. I was so sad. Oh, man. Yeah, he saw like nine cards with like, he chained tomes when I went for lethal. And it's really interesting with Kasai is like, it's good to not go for lethal, but I was like, eh, it's there. And I got a little greedy and I paid for it. And then the second loss is I actually lost to a regular Bravo deck. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's only one Bravo legal and blitz. But so and then the guys I lost to finished one, two. So I felt OK about that, even if even if I ended up going uh, going two and two on the day. Uh, but who were your other matches against? Because there were some spicy yeah. decks there today. I mean, I played first uh, against Reinar. Uh, that was fun. I always love playing against Reinar. I know playing Reinar too. Um, but that was interesting. Um, yeah, you know, Reinar is just one of those uh, matches. A very strong deck. Uh, he had... I think that he may have been playing around uh, Arcane Damage a little bit too much. And he had the potential to uh, swing at me really big if he just took some damage. Uh, he would have been pretty low. I think he would have been a little bit under 10. Uh, but he would have had an insanely strong, just based on the blocks he presented, would have had an insanely strong alpha rampage turn. Like, it would have been hitting me for like, chunking me for like 16 or something. Yeah. Or 13. I can't even, I don't remember. It, I remember seeing it and be like, wow, that would have been crazy. I'm so glad he blocked and pitched for Arcane instead of keeping his hand and just not just taking it. <laughs> I would have been scared if he was taking all the damage. I would have been terrified. That's always my thing playing against Reinar. Reinar, if they're not blocking my stuff, as long as they're blocking my stuff, I'm happy. Yeah. If they're not blocking my stuff, I am scared shitless. <laughs> I'm terrified. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I won that one. And then I played against Kano. Uh, I lost in Car- the same Carlo, same uh, Kano player, Carlos. Incredibly, he's so good. He plays Kano skilled. in every format. Yeah, he's awesome. probably the best Kano player I've ever met, and Ooh, I can't imagine. I want to see the Carlos versus Alex uh, Kano mirror. Oh yeah, we need to decide. We need to. <laughs> well, that's well, so, uh, the master yeah. fights the pupil. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Carlos has to have close to just as many Kano reps as anybody in North America. I hundred percent right agree. Carlos has definitely been grinding Kano. And yeah, uh, he's definitely been it, rewarded for it. Yeah, it shows. He keeps getting win after win after win. He performs with Kano. It's it's great. Absolutely. Um, I love Kano. Uh, I will never be. I mean, I'm a little salty to lose to Kano, but I'm always like, I know what to expect in my matchup. Right. So I'm never really playing like I'm always playing Viscerai and CC 
Uh, and when we play Kano, me and him and CC, at least I'm always like, well, we're racing. And I know if you've got it and you're stopping me right before I kill you, it, it's now or never. Yeah. <laughs> so I've never salty about that. But in Blitz, I was prepared, had my arcane uh, barrier up. Uh, I try to go uh, a little aggressive early on turn two. I cracked my arms that had null rune for some rune chance. I had an insanely wide turn. But it wasn't enough. And then the following turn, if I had prevented, been able to prevent one more arcane damage, I would have lived. Yeah. You know, but sometimes it's hard to decide race or or, or protect yourself, you know, because even if they you leak a little damage, that's just a little bit closer. They can get a little bit less damage you need to deal to you on another turn. That's my mindset playing against Kano when I'm playing a deck that wants to be aggressive. It's like, well, I don't really know if I want to prevent the damage because you can have a bad hand next turn. And I can just pre- present so much more damage instead of trying to prevent a little bit of it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I lost to Kano. We played another match, and I believe I... No, he squeaked that one. No, I won that one, the second one. But we just played, like, a fun second match. Uh, my third match, I played against you, I yeah, believe. Yeah, you did. And I squeaked that one out. Yeah, you definitely did. I was actually... I thought I was boned. For sure. It was scary. I, I played like there was that there was the one turn where I almost overblocked and underblocked and it would have taken me to one. And I didn't have anything. So Kasai, if you're unfamiliar with the way the deck works, if you don't have a card with go again in your hand, it is so terrible. And going into that turn where you you presented me with lethal and I had to pitch so much, um, I didn't have any go again in my hand and i had one i forget what it was it wasn't spoils of war but it's one of the weirder attack reacts where you can get plus three and then your next attack gets plus one and i just bet on hopefully you would only block with one card and i I got you and i was like yes the plan worked yeah it worked (laughs) had i had any other card in my hand i would have just been absolutely destroyed on the next turn understandable yeah man i i just didn't uh feel like i had the space to uh to play that way I was like, well, if I overblock here, I give you a chance to have an arsenal or keep an ar- a card in arsenal, and then uh, I have no turn, and then I just give you an opportunity to react and kill me next time. So it was then where I knew that you probably were going to win if you had the reaction, and otherwise I would take the game. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the next match I played was against Prism, uh, somewhat newer player, maybe less familiar with Blitz. Um, you know, uh, walking through it, I stumbled a little bit on like the number of rune chance I had where I was kind of just like, oh, shoot. I, don't, I, I was like, I don't know what this thing is when I play against new players or people who are a little unfamiliar. <laughs> You're too helpful. No, it's not that. It's really not that. I try I try to play very like just straight. Right. I'm just like straight. Right. Just play straight, Um, you know, very uh to the point and try to explain things and turn cards around so they can read it and say, OK, this trigger goes here. And I'm going to play this card. Uh, it'll check for these effects. All these effects are online. There's an on hit, uh, three arcane, three physical, one arcane on the back end, or one rune channel on the back end, right? But I was stumbling on how many rune chats I had. Like, oh, and he was correcting me because he would, you know, clearly see that it was not the right amount. I'm like, oh, shoot, I'm sorry. Like, I'm stumbling and I make it look like I'm like cheating on this guy. <laughs> like, yeah, it's too much I, to I was like, I, I don't know. I was for some reason last game, I was like fumbling and I was like, oh, no. You know, um, no, he was a cool guy. Um, we talked a little bit after that, you know, about Visrai and his girlfriend was there playing too. She was on Briar. She likes Runeblade. He likes Prism, you know, fun stuff. Um, but yeah, overall today was pretty good. Cool. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. I'm looking forward to next week. I'm definitely going to tweak my Kasai deck 
Um, there was definitely a few places where I stumbled, some cards I'm looking forward to. Now, Matt, I know you mentioned earlier that we might have some viewer questions. Did any come in? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> so we have a question from Angel. Oh, yes. And Angel wants to know, what does Ranger need to be top tier? Oh. And, uh, well, I have an answer, but what do you think, uh, Doug? What does Ranger need to be top tier? So, in my opinion, Ranger... Ranger plays like a worse Guardian right now. Um, so, I think Ranger needs a way to get card advantage, aside from, like, throwing another arrow into your arsenal. It's just... I don't know. It's so weird. Ranger's just like a little too easy to play around. Um, like, I, I don't know. Do you think know. it's the information they present when they are, put cards in Arsenal or not really? Yeah. Because, I mean, they usually played out that turn anyways. So, um, I think, um, I think Ranger needs a new hero that by default gives you the new horizon to Arsenal. Do you think it should be, uh, Azalea, um, star of the alley and she gets plus two <laughs> dominate and go again on her next arrow whenever she has uh an instant non-attack and an attack in her hand i think i don't know <laughs> like if i were to design a ranger it would give you two arsenal spots by default Ooh, yeah i like to, i like the idea of two arsenal spots not being reliant on new horizons yeah and I, then you can pitch three and for three a once per turn ability is you can put an arrow from your hand into an arsenal zone and then when you do that, you get to search your deck for another arrow and put it into the other arsenal zone. You want to know what my, um, okay, so I'm sorry, repeat that one more time. I okay. apologize. So like it, what it lets you do is you pitch three, you put an arrow from your hand into an arsenal zone and it lets you tutor for another arrow. Oh, tutor for an arrow. Yeah. I think then that puts the deck because really you want Azalea to be, you don't want it to be like Guardian where it's just like one big swing. You know, you want you want the deck to be more aggressive, which it is not right now. Yeah. Interesting. Tutor for an arrow, though. That's interesting. Um, what if? Hmm. I like that idea. What about a uh, let's say. I have a couple ideas, but um, just on the to on the topic of what you're talking about. What if uh, an equipment of some kind? Uh, that or an, or an, a wet a bow, right? That said, you could put a car a, arrow from your hand into the arsenal, and when you do, uh, you may choose um, arrow. You can may choose attack or non-attack, and reveal cards from the top until you hit one of those cards and put it into your hand. Oh, like an abundance setup? Yeah, yeah. I don't so hate that. If you need a, a buff or you need an arrow, you can choose. Yeah. Like, or whenever a card enters your arsenal, you get to choose. I don't know. I think the bow might the bow activated ability tagged with that effect might be good, better than just uh, or more fixed than just having a static effect like that. But because uh, a lot of cards just put cards to your arsenal randomly. Yeah, and I think innately when I look at Lexi, Lexi has two problems. Lexi and Azalea has the same problems, but Lexi can solve one of them. So Ranger right now isn't fast enough, and when it does attack it's not powerful enough so the way that the only reason that there's been one ranger that's been able to kind of circle around the metagame that's ice lexi and the reason ice lexi works is ice lexi is capable of slowing their opponent down to their speed where then suddenly the fact that the the deck isn't fast enough doesn't matter and then it's kind of a fair game with all the frostbite tokens that you can generate with ice lexi 
And I don't know. I just the the classes. It's a uh, you know. It's I would even say you know. It's it's just it's not it's not fast enough. It's not powerful enough. And I think mechanologist actually has has the speed advantage, but it has the same power problem. I think what really um, the there I think what really holds these decks back is like actual on hit effects that mean anything yeah so the problem with ice lexi is that the hero the top hero that cares whether they get uh frostbites or not can block it easily the hero that doesn't that can't block it easily doesn't care if they get frostbites because their stuff is reduced and they also have a free out in their equipment slot right for uh those frostbites skeleton right um so i don't know it's um it's weird i mean you're still paying for it by cracking the skeleton realistically but a lot of the cards already have kind of like that cost reduction yeah you know um if you've got like a bunch of rune chants already out and you've got a rune flash or uh you know even a, a drawn of the dark dimensions you have me playing that um or a uh or a reduced to rune chant um you'd kind of just play one of those cards out and breaks the frostbites um yeah. I don't know. That may not be a good analysis of that matchup. I've won more Ice Lexi matches than I've lost them with Viscerai, <laughs> but um, yeah. I have lost a number of them too, and it's always mattered that I had the Frostbite. But yeah, um, I think you're right about that as well, and I, I really want Azalea to be good. My um, What I think Azalea needs is some better equipment, right? Um, I know Ranger realistically, you know, and also like just thematically doesn't uh isn't really geared up with like battle worn stuff because a lot of that's heavy armor but uh she needs something that can block and not get destroyed because right like now they just ally. literally get hosed by command and conquer and some and some number of decks are going to run a pummels on top of that but you can't really play around that but command and conquer in general lexi has not, not lexi but uh ranger has uh protection with like some d reacts uh, from attacks, but you can't de-react a, a Command and Conquer. Uh, so all your equipment breaks as soon as you block with it. Some of them even destroy your arsenal. So what what do you do even at that point? Do you just block your hand out and now you're losing arrow attacks, which you can't, you know, you need some number of arrows in your deck, otherwise yeah. you're not going to be able to play, you know? Lexi, uh, not Lexi specific, I keep saying that, but um, Ranger specifically sometimes has bricky hands, and you need to have enough attacks in your arsenal and your hand to actually make a threatening turn otherwise your opponent will just take nine or whatever you present and then uh slap you back for twice that yeah and i don't know it's interesting because you see like this uh this particular lexi deck i'm just bringing it up real quick mm -hmm. the the one that ended up coming in second at the uh at the portal games what was it a lightning aggro it is ice lightning aggro huh um, you know, I mean, we've got frost fangs, we've got lightning surges. Um, and you know, I mean, the, the arrows are there, but they're not the entire game plan. Like you're also running heaven's claws. So it's, it's kind of weird how there's a lot of like melee attacks. And I think maybe that's the problem is that the ranger design space is too bow focused where clearly if you, you know, if you take a second here and you you kind of like expand into these attacks, then, you know, yeah, it's getting a little better. Well, 
I think Ranger can still stay in this area where um, they focus on the arrows, but they need to have better uh, tools, right? So I think that some kind of... Um, I've been thinking that... I mean, I'm sure many people have had the same thought on their mind regarding, you know, future uh, Ranger design space, but crossbow, yeah. right? Something like that would be nice. And I know, I know, like, thematically, flavorly, bolts are not the same thing as arrows, right? But whatever. We don't care. <laughs> um, yeah, a couple feathers short. Yeah, well, whatever. They're still firing out <laughs> of a thing with string and a pressure. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, arc some kind of quiver, right? Like some sort of other offhand, not offhand, because that indicates you're running one-handed weapon, but some other like back weapon, back item, right? Like, uh, like, uh, like it would just say back item, right? Um, and it would run out right on the side of your uh, bow. It'd be a quiver, right? And maybe yeah. you can store, pay one, uh, put an arrow into your quiver, right? Or something like that. Or pay zero, put an arrow from your hand into your quiver, right? And then maybe draw a card or something. And then you would have an ability that says pay one, put an arrow from your quiver into your arsenal. Yeah. That'd be cool. Like it helps you fix your hands, get cards out of your hand, stores them for later. And you can actually build like a sort of an OTK. Right. I can see that being really cool. Yeah, I agree. Like, uh, let's say like death dealer said, maybe the air, the bows get rotted to say, put a card from your hand or quiver into your arsenal. Yeah, that would be cool. Cause then you can play try shot. And start pulling all these cards out of your quiver into your arsenal and drawing even more and more and more cards. Yeah. And you don't and you don't have to give up cards in your hand. And then that's a really strong way to actually play a very aggressive ranger. I like that a lot. It'd be interesting to have maybe like a something that allowed you to swap an arrow out of your arsenal with your hand. Yeah, maybe like a, a hand item, like a little like you know, one of the things that actual rain, <laughs> yeah, like, actual, actual archers like use. archers, you know, bowmen use for their fingers, like some sort of like quick, like, you know, pick or like attachment for their hand that helps them like reswap arrows in and out, you know? Yeah, because that way you could kind of be like, oh, OK, I need to pitch blue for this, but I have this red arrow in my hand. You know, you can get that arrow out, put the other one. It's interesting. And I hope they fix it because Rangers are cool. That they attack. They there's like a lot of new players. They love bows and arrows. That actually might work really well. There are cards with effects that care whether they uh put into your arsenal face up. Yeah, like headshot and uh, what is it? The uh, Ridge Rider shot, headshot and Ridge Rider shot. Those are arrows that both have effects when they enter the arsenal uh, face up. Yeah, I'm also hoping that the next set does not have any talents. Yes, um, I do like talents. I appreciate what they do for the game, but I also would like to see new classes, right? And expand like maybe an old class and a new class, right? Or two old classes and one new class. Yeah, I agree. Right? I don't know if they're going to continue with the three of necromancer. Yes, I agree. Me I would love that necromancer, but that's kind of what we have: Death Knight, Necromancer, Runeblade. You know, same old stuff. But uh, I think some kind of like. Uh, like, I don't know if they want to continue doing three classes and or four. I really like the four. Yeah, I think there's no way they don't do four. I don't know why they did three. Well, I think they wanted to play with the combination, the two two element combinations of the three. Yeah. And that kind of was their plan there. I think future sets would probably be mostly for saving set. fire for wherever Kasai Man, and Kano are cool. from. Yeah. Vol uh, Volcor, is that what it's called? Yeah. Vol I feel like all their names are pretty obvious, you yeah. know? <laughs> 
It's like they, they're all like very straightforward, and then it's like and Aria, and you're like, what? Aria? It's like you made one up for that. Auras, you know, like you know, uh, <laughs> the Northern Lights, like the that D system. monastery, That's... the monastery of demons. <laughs> that uh, system? Uh, not um, sorry, the Simpsons meme. Uh, is that the Northern Lights? <laughs> May I see? Right on. No. Well, I think that does it for. Episode three of the Pitch Stack podcast. The first one we've done in person. Yeah, and hopefully not the last. Yeah. So, Matt, thanks for joining me in my studio. Absolutely. Uh, everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, we're looking forward to hearing from you. If you have viewer questions, you can hit me up on Discord if you're part of the Flesh and Blood TCG Discord in South Florida. Or if not, uh, feel free to hit me up at, at DJ1088 on Twitter with your podcast questions. And, uh, yeah, I guess we'll see you next week. Maybe I'll have to make one of those uh, Twitter accounts. Yeah, yeah you probably should. Talk about flesh and blood or something. Yeah, exactly. So Matt's going to have a Twitter next week. Oh, God. <laughs> It'll be there. I have, a time, I have a time frame now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until next time. See ya.